Welcome to the Philly Prime Podcast and Mob Talk Sit Down. We broke this story last week. It went under the radar. It's an interesting story about the bust of a Bloods Street Gang leader at a New Jersey airport with a huge amount of drugs. Lots of questions about it. We had very few details at the beginning. Some of those details have been filled in. The blanks have been filled in. And there's nobody better to talk about this than my friend George Anastasia from Mob Talk Sit Down, the professor, the writer, former Inquirer reporter, 12 books. George, thanks for coming back on. Pleasure to be on, Dave. This is a really, really interesting case. Yeah, and it's got intrigue all over it. It's got some international tones to it and things like that. But let me start off by just describing what happened. Uh, Teterboro Airport, a charter jet is on the runway, ready to leave. Five people are boarding it. 12 suitcases, a couple of Gucci bags, uh, other stuff going on on the plane. Three women, two men. Um, You're going to see some of those guys loading those suitcases at a hotel near the Teterboro. You see that right there. Border Patrol shows up at this charter jet, kind of unannounced, does a search, and they come up with 500 pounds of high-grade marijuana, 28 pounds of high-grade cocaine, and 1,000 vials of THC. There's the cocaine right there, weighed by uh, Border Patrol folks, and then the FBI after that. George, when you hear about this, when we start talking about this last week, what's going on in your mind about this? Well, the, the first thing that struck me is this is drugs going in the other direction. Yeah. These are drugs leaving the United States, headed to London. You know, what's what's going on there? What's the connection? And then, you know, one of the players in this is a, a name we're familiar with, a guy named Edwin Spears, with a, a leader of the Bloods, who we've talked about before. He's a major player in all of this. The other fellow is Petrocillo, is his name? Joseph? Yeah, Petrocillo. Leonardo Petrocillo called Leonardo. Leo. Yeah, not familiar with him at all. Um, and... He's got, I think, one prior criminal uh, arrest, but not a player in terms of the stuff that we've been looking at. But uh, this is a case that, um, as you mentioned at the top here, it goes in a lot of different directions. And there's a lot more to be learned about this as it plays out. Yeah. So we got our hands on a couple of court documents, uh, a detention motion. And that's the complaint right there, which kind of lays out what they found is uh, the agent that's handling the case. And very interesting, George, when they approach the plane, it's a chartered private jet leaving Teterboro to go to the UK, London Airport, John Lennon Airport there. They pull all the bags off the plane. They make everybody stand in front of their bags. The three women, they check their bags, nothing in their bags. Petrosillo, they check his bag, nothing in his bag. Spears, Edwin Spears, who's with the nine trade gangsters, identified as a five-star general in the past with them, now with the 9 3 headbusters or the 93 headbusters. He's standing in front of the suitcases that contain the marijuana and the cocaine, according to the Border Patrol and according to that court document. And George, lo and behold, he tells authorities, according to the document, the drugs are his. Yeah, he falls on the sword, which, you know, again, that raises a lot of questions about all this. I mean, ordinarily, what would happen is you you get arrested, there would be a not guilty plea and, you know, it would play itself out. He's basically giving it up right here. Um, I don't know how he's going to launch any kind of defense, given that that was a statement as soon as they as soon as they grabbed him. Now, the other interesting thing, Dave, is why did they go there? How did they know to go there? 
you know what, what's going what's the backstory here and i think we've got jurisdictional questions new york new jersey uh who's going to be the main player in all of this there's so many different things happening here and edwin spears connections not only to the bloods but to a ways back connected to the lucchese crime family up there in north jersey raises an, another specter here so we, we've got a story here i think that can go on for quite a while and may have even broader implications than what we're looking at 28 pounds of cocaine all that marijuana again to come back to what i said in the beginning why is it going to london yeah you know the u.s is the is the the end of the end of the line the drugs the are entry point yeah yeah not the exit point yeah right so who who was going to be on the other end of this um and you got to wonder was this arrest premature what would it have been beneficial to wait and see how it played out at the other end uh and, and that's what i'm that's what i'm wondering about as we see what law enforcement agencies were involved who knew what when and did this particular raid that occurred did that step on somebody else's toes of law enforcement yeah. well know. let's flesh that out a little bit when i first heard about this i was like why did the border patrol yeah. go search this private plane um did they know was it a routine check they were checking a private plane leaving teterboro was it, did they know something was going on there did they suspect it did they see five people in all these suitcases and say something's fishy here was this part of an fbi operation possibly out of new york or out of new jersey that the search was part of what they were trying to do are they trying to jam up edwin spears here uh, clearly a key player with the bloods back in the day you mentioned his connections to the Lucchese crime family. The reason why they checked, that was my, kind of my first question. But the bottom line is they did check and they did find this stuff. The value, I've been told, street value, wholesale, wholesale value, excuse me, $1.5 million. Yeah. Not, not a light load, which now is in the government's hands, which has all kinds of repercussions for the people who were allegedly in possession of it, the people who owned those drugs. Ain't going to be happy about losing $1.5 million worth of gold. Yeah, and, and for what we know, the drugs came from New York. Uh, that, that That's the, in the various documents, the indications are that the drugs came from New York, were, were driven to the hotel, and then taken to the airport. Yeah, we'll show you some pictures, Rich, if you can put them up. Uh, the, this is Edwin Spears and Mr. Petrocello using luggage carts. That's the wrong picture, but we can jump back to that yeah. right here. Uh, this is at a, a hotel five minutes from the Teterboro Airport. That those are the bags that contained, according to the according to the complaint, 500 pounds of high quality marijuana and allegedly a bag with cocaine. They get a car service booked the night before from the Eastern District of New York, which the complaint says traveled through the Southern District of New York. Their arch rivals up there in New York, Eastern and Southern District into New Jersey to a hotel five minutes from Teterboro Airport. They pick these guys up in the bags and they take them to the airport. Why are you using a car service from the Eastern District of New York? And then, bam, this gets out of New Jersey's hands, this case, and ends up being filed in the Eastern District of New York by the FBI. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, there's a lot of different questions from a law, enforce, a law enforcement perspective about what was going on here. And, and it it looks like someone in law enforcement was aware and was tracking what was going on and was the bust at the airport part of their, their plan or was it a different agency jumping in i don't know the answer to that but hmm. certainly i think law enforcement wants to know the source of those drugs and also the destination who was on the other end 
to receive yeah. these drugs. And how does a guy like Edwin Spears get involved in, in essence, international drug trade we're talking about? And, and he's just got out of prison on the Operation Heat case a few years back. I mean, he's not been out of prison a long period of time here. And according to the gang experts that I know across New Jersey, he was with the nine Trey gangsters. They kind of broke up in like 2010, 2012 into three groups. He's supposedly with the nine three headbusters now. He's still considered a five-star general. He's not a lightweight, this guy, when it comes to the Blood Street gang. Right. And, and his role in all of this, you know... Was he the expediter? Was he, in a lot of ways, he's serving as a courier here. He's the one who's going mm -hmm. to be escorting these drugs to London. Um, the other fella, uh, Leonardo Petroselli, was that yes. his name? Yep. Oh, yeah. Bears watching. Who is he? How does he figure into all of this? Right. I mean, as I said, this, this case has, I think, more questions than answers right now. But it's the kind of case where, I mean, back in the day when we were doing journalism every day, we'd be... Yeah tracking this from day to day and see how it evolves. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting in the complaint, George, the FBI scrambles to the hotel, gets surveillance video, which is where those pictures are coming from. They're in the detention motion, those pictures of both guys loading the drugs yeah. from their own cars into the hotel yeah. the night before. They also have, according to the complaint, surveillance video of them loading the drugs at the airport to the plane yeah. at the same time. So the FBI, if they weren't in on this before the border patrol searched that plane, got on this pretty quick and they have evidence to back it up. They asked for no bail in this situation. Currently, both gentlemen are in the MDC in Brooklyn, the Metropolitan Detention Center there. Uh, no bail set yet. Mr. Spears tried to get a million dollar piece of property posted that belongs to a sister or a cousin. That didn't work. She then offered to post $500,000 bail for him. So far, no ruling from the judge. Do you usually see guys with this much drugs get out on bail? That's my question. Uh, no, that that to me was very unusual. That it was, it didn't happen, but it almost happened, and it was amazing to me. Here's a guy who was about to get on a plane and leave the country. Yeah. So is he at risk of flight? I would I would think, yeah, he is. And this is a large quantity of drugs, and this is a guy who's got prior convictions, so he's looking at very serious time. So all of those are used as arguments to deny bail and. Again, he didn't get bail, but there was a potential, and there's still a potential for him to get bail. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go history here for a little bit, George. Uh, you did some extensive articles on Operation Heat yeah. back in uh, the early 2000s, and the indictment came in 2010, I believe. Um, 34 members of the Lucchese crime family got jammed up in that, including Maddie Madonna, Joe DiNapoli, Vipernas. Our old friend Nicky Scarfo Jr. was also indicted in that case. Um, when that happened, George, walk us through this, and then we'll pull the connection together here on Mr. Spears with that operation. Yeah, I mean, that was another one of those investigations that were built around electronic surveillance. There were bugs planted in different cars, all kind of conversations. Uh, some of it, most of it, I think, focused around a, a multi-million dollar gambling operation up in North Jersey. Right. The Lucchese's were involved in. But there was a lot of, and, and, you know, you always get this when you have ongoing uh, electronic surveillance. A lot of inside information about the workings of the family. There was cackling about how Scarfo Jr. had been taken down. He had been a capo. He had been demoted. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, the Perna Sr., the father, became the new capo. The, and the two sons were uh, in a car 
laughing about how all that happened. And yeah, they were bugged, those cars, correct? Both of their cars. Yeah. And then Matty Madonna, who was the boss of Little Cages at the time, comes over for some kind of meeting and they're driving them back and forth again in a car that's bugged. So all of that figured into the primarily this the gambling investigation. But on the periphery of that is this connection with Spears. Edwin Spears is in jail at this time. And Eastern State Penitentiary in Rahway. Used right. to be Rahway State Prison. You've been there before, George. So have I doing oh, interviews uh, before. Yeah. Not a nice place. But no. in any event, he's in he's in prison. And um according again to this the case in the documents we saw, the Lucases are fronting money that Spears' brother, who's not in prison, uses to buy drugs and cell phones. And then the brother bribes a prison guard. And the drugs and cell phones get smuggled into prison. And Edwin Spears in prison is wheeling and dealing, generating a lot of income. And some of that money goes back to the Lucchese's because they fronted this deal. And there's also tapes where Edwin Spears is effusive in his praise to the Lucchese members. And you're, you know, I'm with you and you're my guy. And, and then he offers to help them out with a problem they were having. One of, one of their members was being harassed or extorted by an alleged member of the Bloods. And mm -hmm. Spears says, just tell the guy, I'm with you, you're with me, here's who I am, and uh, it'll solve your problem. So I, I love this line, George. I want you to feel me like I feel you. Yeah, that, that was on the tape. And, and at the time, law enforcement were saying, this is unusual, and it's a troubling alliance between traditional organized crime and the Bloods, this notorious street gang. Now, uh, all of those guys ended up indicted. Most of them ended up doing time in jail, including Spears. And now here he is, what is he, out of jail, 18 months, and he's back in the game. Although, again, we've got no indication at this point that organized crime is involved in this drug operation. Right. Uh, that's one of the things that I think law enforcement is looking at. You know, is Spears uh, an independent operator? Is Spears, is this just the Bloods? Or is this other fellow, Petrosillo, somehow connected to somebody in terms of, why, would, why was he even on the plane? I mean, those are yeah. the things that, that I think law enforcement is looking at. And as this plays out, I think we'll have answers to at least some of that. Yeah. And the Eastern District of New York thing kind of piques my curiosity here. Did they have some kind of Lucchese operation under investigation or a Bloods investigation under investigation? Let me, before we leave the tapes, George, some, you wrote about this actually. Interesting, on one of the phone calls with Perna, and we'll show his picture here with Spears, between the two of them, right, Spears cool. makes it very clear to Perna who he is. He says, look, you tell these guys I'm with a guy named Red Eyes in Jersey, who's one of the top guys in the Bloods, and I'm with this guy Frank White in New York. I'm under those guys, yeah. right under them. So if anybody questions why we're doing this, you tell them my kind of bona fides here, who I'm with, which kind of, you know, again, out, outs himself on the drug situation at the airport and on tape kind of outs himself as to where he ranks in the family. In the game. Yeah, I mean, he, he's never tried, I think, to hide who he is and, and what yeah. he was about. And uh, as, as, as you mentioned, I mean, he's only been out of prison a short time. And here he is involved in a, in a major international drug. I, mean, I can't emphasize that enough. This was an international drug deal. This is drugs traveling over the ocean to London. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see who was at the other end of this deal. That, yeah. That's a whole other avenue to look at. And look, the Eastern District of New York, uh, they're kind of cagey a little bit on, on how they do things. Southern District of New York, same thing about big mob cases like this. And they've been making a lot of cases. Yeah. The Gambinos have been in there, you know, on their on their radar. 
Are the Lucchese's on their radar here? We don't know that yet. I kind of suspect something's going on in the background here. But the whole in the in the complaint and the affidavit, they describe how this car service booked the night before from the Eastern District of New York travels through the Southern District of New York over to Teterboro. Almost seems to me like they're kind of maybe rubbing it in somebody's face here. They drove right through your turf. Well, yeah, I mean, we got the other thing to remember is that they know the car service. They know where it began. And it, it was that the source of the drugs. I mean, that's the implication. And uh, all of these documents, you only get a, a yeah, very indicate. They don't have to give everything up at this point. Yeah. But that car service left the Eastern District or maybe Brooklyn, whatever. Where did it leave from? Who put the, the drugs in the car at that point? You know, what was the source of all of this? And uh, I think clearly the, the feds know more than they've, they've had to put out so far. And as this thing moves toward trial, we'll probably get more information. Yeah, there's a footnote in, in the uh, arrest complaint, the complaint that goes with the arrest where the agent clearly says, I know much more than I'm saying here because I only need to give you a little sample so right. we can can get this. But we, we have much more detail and much more information, which kind of leads me to believe there's something bigger going on in the background. It's very clear. They put the route of the car, but they don't put any of this other information that they have and facts that they have kind of thing. Kind of leads me to, to believe there's something bigger here. The other thing, Jordan, I wanted to ask you, why would New Jersey authorities, Spears and two of the women and Petrosillo end up in the Bergen County Jail right. initially on charges, conspiracy to possess and distribute uh, controlled dangerous substances? Four or five days, maybe a week later, the FBI comes calling. They pick them up, take them over the Eastern District of New York, put them in court. They get an initial hearing and they end up in the MDC in Brooklyn. Can you fathom why either Bergen County or the feds in New Jersey would let a big drug case like this with a high profile guy like Spears cross the bridge and go into New York and let them prosecute? It? Well, why? I mean, that, yeah, that begs the question is there's some, there was something going on long before this particular incident and there was an investigation in place in New York. And, you know, they're going to big footed. They're going to say this is our case. You know, that's the kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in law enforcement. You're, you're right. The arrest was in New Jersey. Um, from what we know, these people are New Jersey residents. Um, the drugs are seized in New Jersey, yet the case ends up uh, in the Eastern District of New York. Yeah. Uh, Mystery. Little question mark there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of that is, as I said, the other interesting thing is if bail becomes a bigger issue and they have to start arguing in more detail about why these guys should not be let out, we may get more information about just exactly what was going on. Yeah. At this point, the feds don't want to give up a lot, and they didn't have to give up a lot. But if, if a judge is going to say, yeah, I, I can live with a half-million-dollar bail, you know, it surprises me that he would say that. But that's yeah. what he seems to be indicating. Yeah. Um, you know, we may interesting, interesting little side note also in, in the complaint and then in a detention motion. Apparently, Petrosillo tells federal authorities he's got uh, connections in foreign countries and mentions, I believe, Bangkok, Thailand to them. And that's in there, which kind of makes you think, why are they talking about that yeah. in here? We, we, we don't want to talk about the, the the real root of this. At least we think the real root of it. But we want to talk about stuff like that. And that's information he allegedly offered to them from at least what the complaint says. Yeah, well, and the, well, that also begs the question is, why would they even put that out there? Yeah. Why would the feds put that? I mean, it, it, it seems right now irrelevant to what we're talking about. Why mm -hmm. do you throw that out there? You know, yeah. it just 
as I said, there are many more questions than answers at this point. But this yeah. is the case that is, is loaded, very rich. And I think the story, it's a fascinating story. George, hypothetically, if there were wires up now, this thing is tickling wires all over the place, if they, whether they be in New York, New Jersey, Bergen County, wherever they may be, if there are. And if there is an inv existing investigation going on behind this, and it wasn't just a one-time, one-trip wonder drug bust, this would be tickling a wire like crazy, I would think. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's maybe that's part of the motivation as well. You got you got plugs in place, you got phones tapped. You want people to start talking. Let's yeah. make a bust and make some things happen. And you can be sure whoever whoever owns those drugs, we're going to assume Spears owns them or Spears is representing somebody. Whoever was at the other end of that car trip, they're concerned right now. One, am I going to get arrested next? And two, I lost one point five million dollars here. You know, so you got you got frustration, anger, and fear all combined. A lot of things can happen. Yeah, um, George. From what I know of Edwin Spears, what I was told by gang investigators from New Jersey and New York, uh, Mr. Spears is a stand-up guy. Uh, can do jail time. Has done jail time. Not afraid to do jail time. Um, I can't see a cooperative situation here other than the fact that he told them the drugs in the suitcases belong to him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's given himself up for whatever reason. I mean, and yeah, I mean, it, clearly he can do, do jail time. I mean, he was running very entrepreneurial when he was in jail. Last time. <laughs> yes, he was. The phones and, and the drugs. I mean, uh, it's a difficult life, but some of these guys, they, they really can adapt. And, and yeah, I think, his reputation, he's always been a stand-up guy, a, a real gangster, and this is just part of that world. That's where he comes from. All right, George, we're going to shift gears a little bit here, um, talk about a case we've talked about a few times now on Mob Talk. Um, Martin Tassetta. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's a defendant in that Operation Heat case. Um, if not, he's still with the Lucchese's, yeah. and he has a hearing coming up December 19th. He's trying to get out of jail. We talked about this on Mob Talk twice. Yeah, this goes His back. lawyer just, just yeah. filed some paperwork in response to the state. Break a little bit of that uh, that down for us. Uh, Tessette is trying to get out of jail on two principal arguments. Yeah, and this is from the case 1994 in Tom's River. He's the only defendant still in jail. His brother was convicted. Anthony Asatora, Tommy Riccardi, both of those guys were convicted. They both became cooperators. Uh, everybody else in that case has, has been in and out of jail already. And it's it, focused to float around the murder of, of uh, Jimmy Craparata. That's mm -hmm. a Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Sinatra Craparata beaten to death with golf clubs. And here's the interesting thing in this case. Martin Tassetta was accused of the murder, but as the trial played out, he was not found guilty of the murder. And uh, one of the things that the defense is arguing is separate and apart from the fact that he was not found guilty. The introduction of that allegation and the testimony of two major mob figures, Little Al Diarco and Philly Nettie, that Martin Tassetta took part in that murder, tainted the case. And in addition, there was, there's, this thing is so convoluted. There's, yeah, the dental records. <laughs> Martin Tassetta's alibi was he was at the dentist that day. Right, at the, the defense, time of the murder, right? Yeah, the defense claims law enforcement doctored the evidence to indicate it wasn't that day, it was the day before, the day after, I forget. So the alibi didn't exist or wasn't legitimate. Now, Tessetta and his defense attorney say those documents were doctored. In fact, Tessetta was at the dentist 
and couldn't have taken part in the murder. So you've got, I mean, this the, the appeal is loaded with allegations that the government played fast and loose with the facts. This was a, a win at all cost case and they didn't care about justice. And they, they come back at that in the, the latest filings as well. This is the, the Department of Justice, but they shouldn't be called that because they don't care about justice in this case. Mm -hmm. So here's we are. We're going to have the hearing on the 19th, and Tassetta either wants a new trial or he wants his conviction overturned. Interestingly, um, the main part about the, the dental records is uh, apparently the state, in an effort to find out whether the, the records had been doctored, sent them down to an FBI lab yeah. in Virginia to take a look at it. The defense is claiming that the report that said there was some kind of tinkering with the document, the state was made aware of it just as the trial was going to begin. And instead of asking for the results, having the results faxed to them, FedEx to them, whatever, UPS to them, they sent two agents of the state down to Virginia to pick them up and drive them back. Meanwhile, the trial's in like day five now when they get that report. And they're, and they're claiming they don't see that report and they weren't given that report in discovery. Um, exactly. Pretty bold allegation there, but they're claiming that's what trips up their defense. If they had had it, they would have tried to show fruit of a poison tree. Somebody doctored this. You can't look at this. This is his alibi. Somebody messed with. It. Yeah, I mean, if in fact that's true, the defense was certainly entitled to that document. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all the, the the ramifications of what went on, where it was, who went to get it, why didn't they turn it? All of those things undermine uh, law enforcement and play into the defense's argument that this was a case where the government didn't care about truth. They wanted a conviction because, and this is in the earlier filings, these guys embarrassed the government in that big racketeering case in Newark a few years earlier. That yeah. asset tour and all those guys were part of that became uh, the movie uh, Find Me Guilty and the book that Bob Rudolph wrote, The Boys from right. the Movie. So it was an embarrassment, and this was the government's revenge to get back at these guys. Uh, the it, other it, element of this is Phil Leonetti, who everybody knows was the underboss here in Philadelphia under Nicky Scarfo, um, cooperated with the government, uh, testified multiple times, testified in this case. The defense, Mr. Tassetta's lawyers, uh, Marco LaRocca and another right. gentleman, are arguing that what Leonetti testified to and what his FBI 302, which is basically he tells the FBI everything he was involved with. They put it down in a document. He signs it. They sign it. That's his kind of, you know, journal right. that the FBI and the defense are entitled to look at and see. So they know all his background and every crime he committed when they go to cross examine him. They're saying that the 302. They didn't get the 302 or they didn't get the one they should have got. And that Mr. Leonetti's testimony is different from what he said in the 302. Yeah, I mean, there were multiple 302s. Whenever one of these guys starts cooperating, they're debriefed, and every time there's a 302. And one of the arguments is there was one 302 where what Leonetti said to the FBI then was in conflict with what he said when he was on the witness stand, and they were entitled to that. And again, it goes it goes to they're arguing it. We were, we were entitled to challenge the credibility of these witnesses, and we weren't given the evidence we could have used to challenge their credibility. Now, I talked to somebody who was around back then mm. who said uh, on the streets when it happened, everybody knew that Martin Tassetta wasn't part of that, the murder of Jimmy Crapperata. But the same guy said to me, but other people were saying 
he wasn't part of it, but he used to boast about being part of it. Okay. So in that case, you know, did he say it to Leonetti and Leonetti basically testified, here's what he told me, even though what he told Leonetti wasn't true. I don't know the answer to that, but it gets yeah. very, very convoluted. And, and again, yeah. we're talking about, what are we now, 30 years later? Yeah. I mean, which is a 30-year-old case. Yeah. So, and Martin's been in and out of jail a couple of times, right? They set yeah. him free, then they put him back right. in. Right, yeah. And uh, yeah. as I said, everybody else in that case has either become a cooperator or has done their time and is free. So yeah. uh, from his perspective, I mean, I, I had to talk to a guy from law enforcement the other day, and he said, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, he's already done 30 years. What's yeah. the difference if he wins this appeal? Yeah. yeah. Why do you want to fight this case? So. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and my book, you know, December 19th, perhaps we'll find out. They may just argue it that day and the judge could rule later. Yeah. I'd love to talk to Martin to set about being in and out of jail for the last 30 years on this case that's still hanging around in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to a, a very interesting time in, in North Jersey. If you remember that some of the testimony at that trial, Diarco talked about how that particular branch of the Lucchese crime family was. Yeah a rogue organization it was dysfunctional within a family they were all related they were brothers and cousins and and guys from the neighborhood <clears throat> and the and lucchese organization in new, new york weren't too happy about what they were doing here in jersey yeah, yeah and i mean i've had new york guys tell me you know very familiar with the lucchese's that you know it's almost like a joke if they were some of them saying the perners are in jail like every five years they seem to get in trouble with something and and go back to jail do these jail stints in state prison, which you do like a third of whatever you get. You get a 10 year sentence, you do like three and a half, four years and you're out at a halfway house, that kind of thing. As you said, they're not exactly viewed favorably by the New York folks. In the no, no. And, and Asatora was another guy who was a wheeler yeah. dealer and spent almost Tumac. as much time yeah. in Florida as, as he did in North Jersey. And yeah. then in, in that original case, if you remember, there was Jackie DeNorcio, uh, uh, yeah. a guy from with connections to Philly and, and the Lucchese's who basically defended himself in that case. Vin Diesel played him in the movie and, yeah. and was doing stand-up comedy. I mean, it was yeah. it was a circus. That trial, the original federal trial was a real circus. Yeah. Okay. George, um, we got a lot of questions about where this Edwin Spears drug case goes. We don't have a lot of answers yet. Maybe we get him at a detention hearing if they do a full-blown hearing. Maybe the judge just rules he can get out on bail. I just find it really hard to believe they're going to let this guy who was about to board a chartered jet going out of the country with a lot of dope is going to be allowed to, to walk. The marijuana part, marijuana is legal in New Jersey, basically. Uh, you know, 500 pounds of it isn't, but, you know, that part of it. But the cocaine, 28 pounds. 28 pounds of cocaine is a lot. That's a significant amount. It's worth between 800 and a million, 800,000 and a million dollars, according to narcotics investigators I talked to for wholesale, at least, and then when you break it up on the street. But that's a lot of cocaine right there. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this takes us. Does it take us back to an Eastern District of New York case? Does it take us to another case that perhaps they've now ceded to the Eastern District of New York to handle? But the FBI agent and those complaints and all those charges are filed there. I'm also being told today that Bergen County has not yet dropped the charges over there. I don't know if they're waiting to do that. They're waiting to see what happens here. Sounds to me like they were none too happy that the feds came in and kind of ushered this across the bridge back into New York. Yeah. Now, I think it's safe to say, Dave, this is not the last time we'll be talking about this case. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we all like to talk about this case, George. So thanks for coming on again. The Absolutely. professor, thank you very much, George. Always a pleasure to have you on. Lots of great detail. Uh, as soon as I saw this, I said, Operation Heat, George did a ton of reporting on this. 
and the tapes. And folks, if you want to go back and look at those articles, they're really good, kind of walk you through the tapes, things like that. Inquirer story back in 2010, George wrote about it all the while. George, just one of those stories you, you talk about for a lifetime, basically. Oh, absolutely. And you get all that dialogue and inside information. It's fascinating. Absolutely. Okay. That's it for Mom Talk Sit Down and Philly Prime Podcast for this week's Thank this week. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time, hopefully with a lot more information about this. Okay. Okay.